to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey there, Jessica. Thanks so much today for joining us at Pushing It. We are so excited to have you. Um, I wanted um, everyone to know that you are here from Love Every, and I can intro you, but I would love for you to just tell us all about yourself and all your amazingness. So um, I think you would do a, a much better job of introing yourself. So please tell us, who who are you? Yes. Well, um, most importantly to this conversation, I'm a mom to three little people. My youngest is four. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. And- oh, uh, Children. Yeah. And uh, and then I also am so passionate about early life. So I've dedicated my work life to um it to this important uh you can kind of say it the first thousand days, you can say it the first years of life, but I am so interested in what makes the connection between the science on what's best from a nutrition perspective from a early learning perspective, and then what actually is happening in parenting and how to create products that really are deeply of service to parents who want more, who want more purpose, who want to be um, more aspirational about uh, about their parenting journey. That is awesome. Oh, so I just love that because don't we all just want so much more and we don't know where to find it? And I love uh-huh. that you're, you're doing the work of showing us where to find it. Yeah. That's really awesome. Is your background in, um, yeah, what's your... Yeah, how'd you get into this? So absolutely nothing qualifies me for what I do. <laughs> um, I <love> I, <laughs> other than being a very curious mother... I, um, you know, I think like all of us, I love kind of asking the deeper questions and wondering why is it that we, uh, frankly, you know, with my first company, I um, was the founding partner at Happy Family, asking why are we putting partially hydrogenated oil in teething biscuits? Why is there, um, why do the puffs that I feed my baby taste like Jolly Rancher flavors? Is that like really a good way to start nutrition? And so I started deconstructing of how we think about early nutrition and building it up based on, honestly, like what you, Elise and Jen and all of us parents would do. It's just logical. Um, Same thing in the toy, what we're doing in the toy space. um, There's a lot of confusion about, um, about what to, what to introduce when and, and how, and what's happening with my child's learning. And I think we really, I'm, was really motivated to create uh, more of a program and kind of hold parents through that journey, like the way that I wanted to be held in my children's learning. I love it. Because I, I think I, as a postpartum doula, am often interacting with families that kind of come from this, I would say, shame base of like, uh-oh, I'm not enough as a parent. I'm already failing oh, yeah. as an educator of my four-week-old baby, uh-oh. And um, I think what I'm often then pushing, um, for lack of a better word, is turning it back around Mm -hmm. and going, tell me more about why you think you're 
failing right now. Um, can you tell me more about what you're observing your child doing? And most of the time, um, their observation of their child is they sleep, they eat, mm -hmm. they're a little bit cranky at times, they poop, and then they're trying to look around the room. And I'm like, yes, exactly. So sure, we can stimulate them while they're looking around the room, but we're also looking for feedback from the child about whether or not they're enjoying or getting too overstimulated and looking, you know, in an opposite way. And really, do you want, you know, is it necessary for their brain development right now to throw this huge busy picture in their face, right? Yeah. And so I think trying to encourage is feedback for relationships that it's not about pushing an agenda for learning, but rather together you can play. But in those very early weeks in particular, it's much more about a baby looking at a human being in the eye and figuring out how to focus than it is about, you know, I don't know, so this idea of I've got to educate this baby or they're going to fall behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was even just visiting a, a brand new family that had a baby that was um, well under a week old, and they were panicked that they hadn't done enough tummy time um, and that right. they were behind on that. And I was like, wow, we're still working on feeding, like figuring out how to feed this person. And, uh, you know, and so let's just work on that right now. And so, but we, but we all want to do the best thing or figure out what we need to do for our kids, right? Because everyone, if everyone else is doing it and we're not doing it, what right. does that mean for our kids? So what kind of advice do you have, Jessica, for these new parents who want to do the right things for their kids, Yeah, but maybe not quite do 20 hours a week of tummy time in the first week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, that's what everybody else is doing, and that's what we need to do, and there's a perfect toy for that. Uh, I don't think so, Elise. <laughs> well, let's hear from the expert, Jen. Yes. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, there is not a more um, emotional and distracted and confused time than early parenthood. It is it is such a Amen. challenge. And I think that... Yep. So important is to create, which I think you guys are doing in spades, is create a support system for parents. And we all have so many questions, so many insecurities. There's so much up against us that I think that there's almost also a conversation around there's like a cap on joy. It's like, get it while you can, because you know it might be gone tomorrow. It might be gone the next moment. And what we want to do with 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 Love Every is really build in a support system. So we have when you talked about a newborn's desire and hunger to look at at images, it is so true. There is nothing more joyful than actually connecting emotionally and seeing your child engaged and stimulated in a meaningful way. We have so much focus on yeah. sleep. There's so much focus on the best way to sleep, all these sleep methods. There's so much focus on feeding, rightfully so. These are really important places um, in, in early life. There isn't actually a whole lot of focus on what is happening to my child's brain, and then how can I be connected to that, know that, and feel the joy when I see my baby's eyes connecting with this perfectly complex black and white image that's just at the right stage for their development. Um, there's 
you can see their learning happening. You can almost see the synapses firing in their brain. So, so that's what we're here to bring. No guilt, all joy, all connection, um, and really empowerment. I think that ultimately what the parents say that that they are receiving from us is confidence. So I'll tell you a little bit of experience about my, from my parenting. So I had um, started Happy Family. I partnered, um, I had a partner with Happy Family. We started the company in 2006. It was before I had three children of my own. So before I even had my first, which is a whole other story of starting a, a company. I was very passionate about nutrition. And, um, and so I had been developing all these products and I felt so confident when I had my first baby about what to feed this baby. When it came time for solid foods, I was like, I mean, I mean, I think sardines was like one of my, one of my, my, my baby, my first baby's like early words, like they were eating so they had an impeccable diet, right? Like the, the founding partner of happy family, just like, I totally knew what I was doing there. I remember being on the floor with my son in his playroom, and I was just craving that moment of connection. You know, as parents, we just want to be present. We just want meaningful moments with our children. And I got down on the floor with him, and we were in his playroom, and we had this like plastic light-up toy with you know all this stuff on it. It had the flashing lights and the those. Yeah, right. We all we all have them, and and we almost kind of have them like in like a hidden corner. It's like there's a little bit of like an intuition that maybe these are um, we're a little embarrassed about it, but we have them. And so I watched him push one button on this toy, and all of a sudden, a purple cow pops out, lights are flashing, starts playing, and I found that I felt. I felt disconnected from him. I didn't feel like we were in this moment together. It was almost like this toy and this thing was between us. And I also found myself wondering, I had gone so deep on infant nutrition. What was actually happening with his developing brain at this time? Like what was going on with him developmentally? And so I I know this sounds crazy, um, but I discovered a doctoral thesis written written on infant brain development that changed everything for me. I learned that that there's so much that's happening in the brain in the early stages. But what was magical about this is it connected the science to what I could do as a parent to, right. to meet my child's hunger for learning at each stage. So we started, instead of looking at the flashing lights toy, we would take house tours and turn on and off all the lights in the house. We would sort of make my own progressively complex black and white cards for, for him to look at. I also, I felt ultimately what it gave me was confidence. I felt like I knew it was happening. I love this so, so much because what you're talking about here is looking for that connection. And yes, you want to do a thing that's developmentally stimulating and you're thinking about their your baby's personal growth, but really you're, you're talking about relationship. And I feel like that um, is often missing from some of this, and I'm clumping it all together, but the people are like, I want to quote, do it right. And that's not as much about relationship as it is like, I just don't want to fail. I love that you were looking for those moments of connection and not wanting the toy to bring a disconnect but rather looking at a toy to actually bring relationship. Right. Well, you both got feedback there, right? Huge. You both got what you needed. Like he got feedback from what he was playing with and learning and you got it from him. Yeah. There was a connection. Made with you, buddy. 
Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's also a kind of addressing, I think the stuff too, there is so much stuff coming in the door yeah. and it's so overwhelming uh, and it's really hard to know yeah. what to use when, what to do when, and there's really no connective, um, there's nothing connected with what the stuff is and how it's going to fit into my child's life. I think that we lose yeah. a little part of ourselves when we have children, we make compromises because the stuff that's coming in the door is, is perhaps not as aesthetic as, as our taste was before we had kids. And I don't understand why we have to give that up. Just like I don't understand when we were developing our puffs for, for happy baby, I didn't understand why we were putting sugar and natural and like these, these flavors that they say they're natural flavors. Listen, I've seen them They're in test tubes. They do not look anything. There's nothing natural about them. And I don't understand why those need to be our children's first um, bites of food when they're creating these taste preferences for their life. So right. I think it's like really kind of thinking about how can we deconstruct what we have thought of as toys and create a new system and make it supportive and make it integrated and with the right information at the right time that's really in the voice of a loving parent that is right alongside there with you that has done a little bit of research so that you don't have to do it all yourself. Right. I love that. Yeah. So when brand new parents are, or, or you've got this new baby on the way, or you have this brand new baby and you're thinking about getting those first toys, what are some things that they, parents can think about when they're shopping for these items? Um, what would be at the top of the list? I mean, I think a lot of it is just thinking about um, what your child needs and what's essential there. Again, I think that there, there's a movement towards minimalism and it's so hard to, to think about minimalism when it has to do with being a new parent. It feels like there is so much stuff coming in the door. But I think that we can also make choices about what we what we want to let into our lives and, and perhaps what we don't. I um, remember reading a Reddit post that was saying, um, that was getting really, there was a, there was a fan, a, a parent that was getting really angry because she was a minimalist and she also wanted to be really eco-conscious. So she was saying, I accept donations, but, uh, but there was, it was like, she was like, I have all this stuff coming in the door and my friends are giving me a hard time for buying something new, but it, it looks like Elmo like threw up in my living room. It's like, you know, how do we, why do we have, you know, so much? I think it's about curating and really taking what's, what we like as what we, what resonates. And, um, and so that's what we're trying to do at, at Love Every, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's, I think what we, what we would recommend would be, um, the kind of just going with your gut on what's essential and what feels right. And what feels like it's intuitive for your child's learning, as opposed to all this flashing lights, plastic stuff. Yeah, I think too, I found that at the beginning of parenthood, like during pregnancy, thinking ahead and getting a little too far ahead of myself going, "Uh oh, what toys are we going to need? Um, or what developmentally should I be having now? Uh oh, what am I supposed to do? And then once I actually got into having an infant, I realized how, um, at least for me in my journey, it was a little more intuitive than I thought it was going to be. It was, oh, okay, you're you're big enough now that you can hold on to a um, 
a rattle here. And this is the one that you actually like. I remember being in a store actually and buying, it was probably at Target and I was buying diapers. And then we are going down the aisle of the toys and my daughter um, looking over at something and I could see she was looking at something. So I picked up the toy and it was one of those, you know, kind of squishy at the bottom. It was a butterfly. And when you bite on it, then it has that, you know, I don't know, the squishiness. What do you call those, Elise? I have no you idea. You know, the water in there. It's squishy a little bit. But it was it was brightly colored, but it was also very, very simple. And I, like, held it up for her to look at it. And she's probably about six months old, big enough that she was sitting in the stroll, I mean, in the cart. And then she grabs it and then basically won't let it go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so apparently you like this. And it really did. <laughs> one of her favorite like it was her favorite toy and then as we developmentally went along we didn't have a ton for her to play with but I also found that I could go over to anybody's house grab some measuring cups and a couple of pieces of like plastic you know um, I don't know like a Tupperware or something just something that she couldn't break plastic or metal um, measuring cups and boom you've got a toy like it doesn't have to have flashing lights. It, it can be very simple because babies are just as excited about pulling Kleenex out of a Kleenex box as they are giving them a fancy toy. But I guess the point of what I was trying to say is that I think I enjoyed along the way picking out things that I noticed, oh, you want to push something. Great. Let's get one toy that you can kind of push behind because I'm developmentally and relationally engaging with you in this stage and that I I could allow this stuff to happen as my relationship developed, not needing to have all the stuff at the beginning to prepare. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, 90% of what little people need is has nothing to do with this stuff. And or it is already in your home. So I love that. And I love the tissue box example. So I too gave my kids tissue boxes. They loved it. And then I found myself fishing these soggy tissues out of their mouth and also finding my whole house is covered in tissues. So we created a tissue box that is a wooden tissue box with these interlocked organic tissues that are real fabric, have different textures that come out um, out of the tissue box. So it's kind of thinking about how can we create things that are actually useful and based on what children are wanting to learn as opposed to some gimmick. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, It's like the old, you know, cardboard box story of, you know, kids often want what's in, you know, they want the box more than the cardboard box. You know, my family just experienced, we just moved and all of our boxes went into the basement. And so what is normally in a playroom, and we haven't finished our basement where our playroom is, all the stuff is down there. But the boxes, you know, my kids are six and nine. You would think, wow, we're kind of done with the boxes. No, they were out in the backyard with these huge wardrobe boxes. Oh, that's awesome. They had taped them together. They made a cruise ship yeah. that sold food out of it. And <laughs> um, it was a cat themed one. There were menus and money and like all kinds of things. Like it really had a whole thing going on. And they played with those boxes for days and, and they do constantly. Yeah. And um, you know, we have so many boxes that yeah. they'll be playing with those for a long time. And we've been in our house for 
over a month and we yeah. have not pulled those toys up. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that. It's all about like this, like open-ended creative play and just with, they learn so much from a cardboard box and will learn so much more from kind of pots and pans and cardboard boxes and things that you already have than they could ever learn from, you know, from like the most, the most kind of over-designed flashing lights, plastic toy. One thing that's interesting is to kind of build on what's in our natural environment. So we, I think it's fascinating, but children, babies will learn about, so they start to become obsessed with the concept of containment. So this is the pot and pan phase, you know, where they're loving to put things in pots and pans. They start to discover this, you know, 10 months, 11 months, and it goes on all throughout like their first year, uh, their second year of life. So when they're one, they just love putting things, carrying things around. They love thinking about containment. One of the most interesting things that I read was that he yeah, it's so cute, right? When you can just picture your little person yeah. walking around. One of the things that we learned is that if you give your child a tube, and so we have a we have this clear tube that we put in with um, a play kit for um, for for ten month olds. If you give a child a tube at the same time as they're starting to become interested in containment, they actually have a much deeper understanding of containment because they understand that they put a ball into the top of the tube and it falls out, yet they put that same ball into the pan with the lid in it and it stays contained. And so that sounds so basic, but it is so fun to see a child go put the ball in the tube over and over again, fascinated with the fact that it is rolling out, that it's not contained, and then practice putting the ball, that same ball in back and forth from the tube into the pot. You know, it's it's just so cool. So I think it's really kind of taking the science around um, what's exciting for children and developing tools that we might not have in our homes with pairing that with things that we already have around that that makes this really kind of magical experience. I I think I what I also like about what you're saying is that it is um, it's simple and you don't necessarily have to put all this thought into, okay, now I'm going to use this method of play to teach you about containment. You're right. simply handing them some things and developmentally, this is where they're at and they figure it out themselves. Right. Yeah. They don't need to know the name of it. They don't need to know what the lesson of the day is. And you it's, don't even need to show them how to do it. They'll just figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that example. Can you give us Wait, an idea? I got a funny story about oh. containment. Please. Oh, yeah. Can I tell you this funny story? So, um, <laughs> you know, the little um, push around a little, uh, what do you call those? You sit on it and oh, then you push use, carts, like a little push cart, right? Well, our little push cart had a um, lid that you could pull up and put mm. stuff in. And our little ride on push cart lived in the backyard. And there would be this strange smell that we would get every once in a while and like go around the backyard. We didn't have a dog, so it can't be poop. What is rotting back here? What is that smell? And you know, like all things, leaving the broccoli in the microwave for two days and forgetting about it, you only smell about it smell it once in a while. It's not the constant smell. It's the mystery of where is that coming from? (laughs) I'll never forget the day we're in the backyard and we pull that up or maybe my kid actually did pulled it up. And then you see the rotting organic chemistry set that was essentially being produced by my child (laughs) by pulling 
pulling up grass, you know, that was wet, adding some other things. Exactly. Totally making compost in her cute little um, push thing. And we're like, oh, yes, this is what playing outside looks like. Love it. Yes. (laughs) Ah. Yeah, I interrupted you, Elise. What question did you have? Yeah. So if... I love that example of, you know, right around 10 months. That's a great thing to be doing. What other um, what other examples can you give us of maybe like a little bit earlier on uh, would be helpful for kids? A lot of our listeners are having babies or have newborn babies. Um, what might they uh, want them playing with at, you know, six months or even a little earlier than that as they're just starting to begin playing? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that, you know, in the very beginning of life, as you mentioned before, really their their eyes are a one of the senses that they're so uh, wanting to develop. So they're they're um, you know, their their eyes are really kind of the way that they're experiencing the world because they can't touch things yet proactively. Um, they, you know, that you can give them skin on skin and they can have that experience, but they can't reach and grasp things yet. Um, they they can taste things. That's you know definitely, but they're you know they're their taste perspective is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like obviously really developed. They can hear things, but their eyes, because they can't, they don't have control over their bodies yet and they can't get to what they want. Their eyes are really the primary way that they are taking in the world. Yet their eyes, eyes are really not as developed, um, when they're, when they're born. And I think a lot of parents know that, that they, that newborns see best 12 to 12 to 14 inches away, because that's right where you're holding them in the crook of your arm and, and they're gazing into your eyes. And it's just so sweet. Nature made it that way. They also see best in high contrast, which I think a lot of parents understand. But if you're able to give them this diet of progressively complex images um, that are starting out really simple and then to get more complex as time goes on, as they're interested, there is uh, some science that talks about the brain-eye connection and how, how that can really help develop um, the synapses in the brain and help them become more efficient scanners, which means that they can, they, they're really developing their looking skills. And the, the kind of the okay. deeper that they're able to develop those looking skills, the more they're able to start to understand their, their little world that they live in. So, um, so one of my favorite things to, and ways to connect, I think it can be really special for somebody who is not maybe the primary feeder of the baby to have, uh, to be able to have this connection. We have a, a a black and white mobile that, um, that, that we, you know, kind of recommend putting over the changing table because I, I created one that, that my child just loved so much and we would sit together and, um, whenever he got fussy, I would bring him over to the changing table because he just stared at this this spiral, um, twisting spiral that would just move slight, ever so slightly with the air of this black and white um, image. And uh, the, the babies are just riveted. I remember my little guy was just so riveted um, with this with this image. So it's it's really creates that sort of special bond between um, whether it's a you know a dad or somebody who is not the primary feeder of the baby can have those bonding moments when you see yeah. that that learning and that engagement happening. So that's what I recommend for parents and newborns. That is a great tip. Um, I uh, will often see folks um, at around six weeks and they will often talk about like, oh, I think my baby's just kind of cranky. And um, I'll say, yeah, I, 
it's not uncommon for babies around this time to kind of be bored for lack of a, a better term because they've They've stopped sleeping quite as much, but developmentally, their ability to kind of hold on to something um, and kind of, you know, play in those sort of traditional ways is is different. And so this can be a great time to like think about going for a walk, thinking about having your baby be in a different room than they typically are. You know, and I'll often say, yeah, I'm looking around at, at the things on your wall. And I think this is, you know, it's it's pleasing to me, but I can't imagine looking just at these walls um, as a baby all day and imagine getting down on the ground even of like if a baby's typically kind of flat, you can understand how they might get kind of bored. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do, and we have we have a videos of kind of like how to because it sounds it sounds so simple, but there's really an art to what I call house tours. So we love to take uh-huh. new ch- like children, infants um, through. I think it really can go up till you know when they're past one years old. The, the house tours change the dynamics, but it is so fun to just walk a baby yeah. around. They stop being fussy. You can wrap on windows. You can show them um, opening and closing cupboards, talk to them while you're doing it, turning on and off all the turning on and off the water, turning on and off lights, showing them high contrast, picture frames against a white wall. It is amazing how many parents think that the child needs to be fed again or needs must be tired. They're just, as you said, hungry for some stimulation. So um, so I, I totally get you. And I, I love, um, we have videos of house tours that are really fun. My husband was so adorable giving house tours. He had, we have a video of him doing one on our website and he's just, um, he's really kind of magical and and how he, how he, he, he would open and close the fridge and talk about what was inside. And the, our babies would always calm down as soon as we started a house tour. It was so sweet. So that's really great. I want to use this. I'm going to use this term house tour because I feel like as when I think back to the way I interacted with my infants is that I often we went on walks. I, I even tell people sometimes I would simply go to the store daily for like an onion. And it wasn't because I wanted to buy something. It was just the like, how do I not just sit there with a tiny infant trying to engage with them beyond the basics of feeding, clothing, et cetera. And how do I bring them some stimulation? Because I found that my babies were actually a little bit happier if we got out of the house daily. But I love, especially in Seattle here, I love this idea of a house tour because it is engaging with the child with their environment. It doesn't matter what the weather is and it's free, which I think is really great because you know, often one parent is staying, you know, staying home, potentially losing some pay after a couple of weeks of uh, some leave. Yeah. And so they're taking some cutbacks and some pay and, you know, so needing to save up some money. So this isn't the cost of a zoo membership. This isn't having to go pay for groceries to get out of the house like Jen did. Um, You know, this isn't, uh, you know, having to get a mommy and me yoga membership just to be somewhere. This is all of these things are good though. They are, they are all really great. But if you're like, gosh, I don't want to pay or I'm not able to pay for something. 
extra. Or you could do all of those things and do this, but I like that there's just something that's free and it could be as yeah. long or as fast. Yeah. And if it's a sunny day. Yeah, we have a lot of doers. Yeah, we have a lot of um of of basically a week by week email that you can receive that has really has very little to do with stuff and toys and has everything to do with development and how you can you know, one of our one of our headlines is the very best thing you can do for your baby, no toys involved. You know, there's um, eight tips for talking to your baby who doesn't talk back yet. Um, five fun ways to play with your baby from four to, to 12 weeks old. And so um, parents can sign up for these emails and really get great ideas that can carry them through based on their baby's stage. So you just enter in your your baby's um, birth date or your due date. And uh, and then once your baby's born, you'll start getting these emails that are um, – our, 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 our intention is to be really supportive and helpful. Um, and, and it's, it's all these kind of quirky ideas that, that we need to share, right? We're, we're all, um, working so hard to figure it out. And there's a lot of science. There's so much knowledge. We know so much about how babies are developing and what they need and want to learn. It's just not reaching parents right now. So that's really my intention and dream with our company is to bring that forward in a way that really resonates and that's meaningful and that doesn't have to do with this so much stuff. Oh, I, love I love it, it so much. With so many baby products being marketed to us, it's easy to overthink our options. With Becco Baby Carriers, you don't have to worry because they've designed a product tailored to your busy lifestyle. Becco makes award-winning baby carriers that are simple, functional, and stylish for every modern parent. Shop now at BeccoBaby.com. Well, I do have a question that has to do a lot with what parents are hearing about. And this is one of those hot button controversial questions, I guess. Um, what are your thoughts around screen time and babies or, you know, young children? Um, and I'm speaking to the, you know, under two. Yeah, I, um, to be totally honest, and I know this isn't popular, I am just, I really don't believe that we know enough about the impact of screens on a child's developing brain to take that risk and make that experiment. I, you know, it's kind of like everybody's doing it because everybody's doing it. It's like, we, right. we think that it's, uh, you know, that it's just like, um, part of, you know, parenting nowadays is to use a screen. Um, they're so available. Um, they're, you know, they're just there's there's a really big kind of uh, question in child development among child development experts on what this is going to do to this generation. And so I think that one of the things that I um, like to think about is that that really it's there there are so I know it might sound this is where I just feel like I'm unrelatable, but I I fly in planes with my three kids and we don't watch screens. <laughs> it does require you know me putting down the things that I wanted to do on the plane. But but there are so many moments of connection we have. I was just writing a blog post about all the things. On my Instagram, actually, today, um, which is Jessica Rolf, um, on Instagram, I just did a, a photo of my, of my three-year-old um, at the time, and she um, helped the flight attendant. She put on gloves, and she helped the flight attendant collect the trash. And 
And it was the cutest thing. She was so excited. She felt so, she felt so empowered. Um, You know, there's, there's so many ways to, um, to really meet children where they are. It's just the problem is we're kind of like not given many ideas as parents. It's like sort of like the default and um, seems like, you know, we're also supposed to keep our children quiet and contained in in certain moments. And I just, you know, there's the science on what is happening to children's brains, the NIH has done a study and it's um, a longitudinal study and it is the results have not, the finished, you know, the final results have not come out, but the early results show that in in extreme cases, that it's actually shrinking the prefrontal cortex of children's brains to have, you know, more like deep exposure to screen time. We also know intuitively that it's it's not natural for us to see frames that of stimulation that are changing so frequently. Um, and I, I've talked to child development professionals. They're saying that fine motor skills are in the gutter right now, that children are brought in for assessments for pre-K and for kindergarten. They're given a pen and paper because um, whether a child can draw a horizontal line and, and copy a vertical line and copy a circle are all parts of their development, their, their cognitive and fine motor development. And children don't know what to do with the paper right. and the pen. They're swiping the paper. And so oh. there's just a lot that we don't know. And I would say that, of course, um, of course, like, like in moderation, you know, you, I'm, I'm not going to be this, you know, but, but for myself and what I've chosen, you know, I've my, as my kids have gotten older, it's becoming more a part of their lives because it's part of school. Um, it can be part of, you know, there's, there's some things that, you know, I just feel like they, they want because they're developing, but for the early young years, there is no need um, 40% of three month olds are regularly watching programming on screens. Oh, wow. So Interesting. Wow. It's a real I problem. My, wow. I remember my kids being, well, particularly my six year old being younger and seeing friends on social media, having little ones who, you know, they knew all of their, you know, letters and numbers and they were reading because they were playing all these games on phones. And I was feeling like, gosh, am I not allowing my kids screen time? And and now they're behind. I'm like, we aren't doing reading games because we are going on hikes and playing outside and we're at the park and we're, you know, doing all of these things. You know, the dolly isn't going to teach you know, all of these things, but we're learning other valuable, valuable skills, but it's hard to get around that. Yeah. You know that mom. Yeah, there's there's a, there's science is show, science has proven that there is no actual learning from whatever educational app is happening. There is no learning happening for children under age two on from a screen because they are sensory they're wow. sensory beings. They actually need to experience the world in multi dimensions as opposed to the flat screen. Um, they actually need to really understand like the smell, the taste. The, the, and integrate their senses. They're working so hard to bring in all of their senses and pull that together in their, in their little brains. That's how their brain architecture is being built. Um, that, um, that screen learning is completely ineffective. So. Mm. Oh, interesting. And uh, Jessica, I love the way, the way you've just put that is I, I think that if, um, if I was a new parent or even pregnant, the way that you've just stated, this is what developmental science tells us. 
I could adapt that in a way that wouldn't feel shamed. Like, uh oh, you know, you're bad for doing this. You right. know, get rid of the shame, the screens. Mm-hmm. And I also like Elise the way you've been able to say, wait. I was the one feeling like, uh oh, am I not? Should I be using <laughs> the screens? screens? Yeah. So I <laughs> because my kids don't know how to swipe on phones. All the research shows that they will learn so quickly, and what they're what they're missing in other opportunities of of learning, of being bored, of of figuring things out themselves, yeah. of having kind of experiences. Um, I will say that there's been a lot of confusion of young parents who want to have a relationship with grandparents and FaceTime and are like, oh, I can't do screens. That is actually proven to be totally different. It is not the same as right. screen time. Okay. So, you know, chats with grandma and grandpa um, and video chats are actually not harmful um, in the way that other screen time is okay. because there's an interaction. There's a human on the other side and there's serve and return. There's give and take. There is, you know, the child does something and there is a, an engaging um, response. And so I just want to put parents at ease that there's there's no issue to, to do that. Yeah, oh, that's so great to hear. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the way that you're kindly teaching us in a way that I really don't hear often. Um, here's really positive ways to interact with your child. And here's the science behind it of they've got to integrate the senses. Um, and that's what the toys, I think that your company is also um, doing. That's how it works. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Can you tell us, um, where to find you and all these great toys? Um, um, where we can, Elise, can I ask her one question? Oh, oh, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. This is totally (laughs) off script here, uh, Jessica, but I, I am a little curious about how you decided to start this company. Um, I, of course, being a small business owner and just trying to make a little difference and dent in the world in parenting and support of new families, um, I know that starting uh, a company and um, having a passion project can be a little challenging. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess us up into what made you decide to start this company? You know, it's really kind of, I don't know if we feel, and I feel so in a stage in my life where I feel like it's, it's so much the um, inevitable is unfolding. So be spiritual. It's like, it's a destiny path. It's just what we all have these gifts that we can give to the world. And we all are so as our human journey, we're trying to tap into those gifts and really find out, you know, how we can express them, right. And how we can give, um, what we can give. And there's so much need and there's so much, um, there's so much need in the world that we, that, you know, we need all of us to really tap into our deepest selves and our truest selves and really give that. And I, I really feel like that's what Love Every has become is this expression of, of my particular um, offering to, to parents and to this, this problem that I experienced. And um, it's, it's almost like it's not a choice. It's really hard. It's so hard to be a parent and juggle all the roles in my life. I'm really struggling with being a mom, of course, and being a CEO and being a daughter. I have two parents who are um, divorced and I have a stepmom and I love them all. And they're they're all very kind of demanding and involved in my life. 
um, let alone being a wife, a wife and making time for my husband, and then being a friend. It is just, you know, I think that we're, the parenthood is this, this chapter in life is just so much about um, juggling. And I think, so I think that it's just, it's, it's been really hard, but it's something that feels um, like it's essential to who I am and what I'm, what I'm here to do. Yeah, I think um, the thing I'm also struck by that I often hear new parents will make comments about, man, I sure would love to spend more time with my kid or be involved in um, these new things that as a parent I'm thinking about that I didn't think about professionally before. And I have this new spark of an interest. And um, what I'm observing is that you have chosen to go professionally into something that it sounds like is both an interest and a passion um, professionally. And I know that that takes a lot of bravery um, to kind of switch things around. Um, and I guess I'm, I, I hope people hear that as an encouragement that it's okay to have a time in life when this professional goal made sense to you. But now as parenthood um, approaches and you're in the middle of it, you decide to, you know, set that previous profession aside and pursue something different. Yeah, it's a big life change. And I think that we just have to be open as as we go through all of these sort of stages that, to be open to what, what presents itself to us as being meaningful. I think be, what, what is meaningful before we have children changes, can change um, when we ha- after we have children. Yeah, I love that. I'm always trying to kind of tease that out. Not that everybody should just change as after they enter parenthood, but more how do we be open as a culture to this stage of my life has changed me and I'm not feeling called to do what I did before. And I'd like to kind of pursue something else. And culturally, I don't think that we do a lot of encouraging of parents in those ways. It's Great. You have a kid incorporated into your current life. Keep going. Yeah. Um, and that you're, you're an example of a way that it can look a bit different. Well, thank you. So yeah. are you. Okay. So are you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us, tell us about how people can um, tap into these amazing resources you've developed. So um, our Instagram handle is love every dot is love every. So it's L O V E-V-E-R-Y. And we are constantly running stories and tips um, from experts in child development around everything from um, kind of zero from birth to um, age two. And then our website has, as I said, has this weekly progression of emails that unfolds as your child's developing that is really kind of, if you think about kind of what baby center is around feeding and sleep, and um, this is sort of a modern version of just what's essential around development. So it's loveevery.com, L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. And I am personally at Jessica Rolf, so R-O-L-P-H, Jessica Rolf on Instagram. And um, those are the ways to connect. 
Yeah. Awesome. So um, really quick, um, you have, there's a subscription base, correct, for developmentally sending toys to folks? Is that true? Yes. So we have stage-based learning program. Um, so every other month, we send a box of products that we have created. It's really kind of like Montessori meets Etsy, um, sustainably designed, um, sustainably harvested wood, organic fabric, all really safe. And it comes with a guidebook. Um, around what's happening with your child's development and then how to play with the toys and what that's how that helps the child's development. Um, we also have a gym that should be, if it's not on your registry yet, <laughs> for listeners, it's not on the registry yet. It really, um, it's so highly rated. We put our heart and soul into this play gym. It is a, a kind of a reinvention of what a play gym could be. And it's a great investment. You know, people are not, it's, um, it's a number. It's a top seller on Amazon, which was so exciting for us. And uh, and yeah, and and if you have any other ideas for me or feedback, I am. We are all ears for parent from parents. I personally interacted with that gym yesterday when I was doing some postpartum work, and it was like, oh, look at this. This is this cute little cover for making like a play tent after you're done with the gym. Yeah. Um, so fun. Really, really great. So cute. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Jessica, thank you for your place in the world, for giving to all of us these amazing resources for the work that you're doing as a mom, the way you've influenced the way our children eat and giving us good products to um, not have to make our own puffy, cheesy things and that you're doing it or to do it. Fruity things that are not flavored like a... Jolly Ranchers. Exactly. And making amazing toys that help kids learn and develop beautifully. Yeah, so. And thank you for your time today. I really, really appreciated the way that you've been able to put into words um, kind of these nuggets of ideas around education. But what I really like is that you're about relationship and connection of families. Absolutely. 100%. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right. We'll put in our show notes where people can find you and we invite everybody to check that out. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye.